You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Everybody, welcome back to the Ducks Limit Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. My name is John Gordon. I'll be your host. And I'm your host, Katie Burke. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you, the DU Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast. I'm your host, John Gordon. It's February. And out there in waterfowl land, basically what's left is conservation snow goose hunting. And that's what brings my two guests today together is a mutual love of chasing the white goose around the Arkansas Delta. So I want to welcome uh, Chase Gartner, these owner-operator nomad outfitters, and uh, Christian Lilly, Aberdeen Wild Wings from Aberdeen, Scotland. Guys, welcome to the DU Podcast. Thanks for having us, John. Pleasure to be here. You know, I guided Snow Goose Hunts for a long time, and we talked about this before, that it's not for the faint of heart. You know, a lot of folks will come in for three or four days, but they don't know what the real grind is uh, of doing this on a day-to-day basis. So, I mean, you two haven't slept a whole lot, I don't believe, in the last, you no, know, no, since the season <laughs> opened. Uh, the weather's been crazy to start the season. We had an ice storm to now it's back up to 65-degree temps, yep. Uh, yep. rain, sun, wind, no wind. It's been a crazy up-and-down season so far. Interesting how the two of you came together. Okay, so I want to talk about that a little bit. I mean, Chase, you're originally from Nebraska, yep, am I correct? that's right. Yes, right? sir. And then, of course... Christian, you've got a very interesting backstory, the fact that you, you, you were born in South America and then traveled to Scotland. So talk a little bit about how y'all came together in the Arkansas Delta. Yeah, I mean, I think, especially this day and age, social media plays such a big part in, you know, I think everyone being able to meet people across the world. And obviously, I've been very lucky to have hunted with some great people over the years. And I think one of the f- places I hadn't been before was Arkansas. I've been very lucky to hunt in South Dakota and Nebraska and Missouri. And Arkansas was another place on the list. So it was obviously for me to try and find somebody to to hunt with and potentially look at being able to take clients over from Scotland and Europe. So we stumbled, oh, it seems like, honestly, years now we've been friends. It's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, it's exactly that. We've shared some uh, some fun memories along the way, but pretty much had reached out to Chase and, um, you know, he was... Uh, just great from the get-go and I think almost within a few months I think it was before my season in Scotland started um, that I'd kind of looked into it and we spoke about it and then before I knew it February came my season's from October to January so obviously it just lines in perfectly for then coming over for uh, 
uh, conservation season here in, in Arkansas in February. So yeah, I think it was literally, it was kind of just, it happened straight away. And I think we never looked back since. And uh, it was one of the best things I did was obviously reaching out. And it's great because you you do get to meet so many bit different people from across the world. And I think everyone shares the kind of same passion from there. So it's, it's not like there's something that you're, you know, you're not going to click with. And uh, it's kind of just grown from there over the years. And, you know, here I am, I'm, you know, for, for all my sins, I keep coming back. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's glad been a wild are. ride. Yeah. And it's interesting how the three of us met, you know, and people can see this all on, on DU Nation, our YouTube series. Uh, ben Vaughn, our South Minnesota regional director, had, had wait, it was interesting the story he told me as well that he had joined the Marine Corps, really, to see the world. Well, as circumstances had it, when he joined the Marine Corps, he uh, we kind of had a little problem with the, with Iraq at that point, and he ended up in Fallujah and never really saw anything other than the desert. And so he was he, he he's out of the Marine Corps, going on with his life, and and he's kind of lamenting the fact that I never got to see anything. So his wife, you know, being a good wife, said, "Well, why don't you go do it? You know, just start going places and seeing it." And so. He looks into things, and he said he really wanted to go someplace different. So he looked into it and said, goose hunting in Scotland. That would be something that's pretty cool. So, and that's, of course, rest is history. He, he goes over there and meets you. Yeah, it's so funny. We were just talking about this earlier, and uh, it was it was really nice to see somebody who's obviously so interested in exploring somewhere else. And obviously, first trip for him, the fact that he would consider coming to Scotland was, was quite a big deal. It was obviously a big deal for him, a big deal for me too, because he went about it the right way, obviously all the right questions, making sure we could get him all the, the right uh, references too. And uh, it's obviously quite an important one for we do get guys coming from the States. It's something different, not so much for the UK and Europe for guys to do that. But from the States, I suppose it's, it's good for them to know that they're hopefully going with uh, you know, a reputable guide, outfitter, <clears throat> especially if it's a first time going somewhere different. So it was it was really good to obviously catch up with him. Um, we were we had the pleasure of hosting him for I think it was six day trip. Um, again, it seems like years ago too because we've obviously been friends ever since. And I think it was a, a nice chance for us to find out more about each other. Obviously, with what I do uh, as an outfitting business over in Scotland and obviously Ben's involvement with, with Ducks Unlimited, you know, over over the years too, because I I hadn't quite making that as well known at the time, which was really nice for me to to find that out about him and then be able to ask more of the questions as we, we got to know each other. And that way it was, it felt like it was a, you know, a really good start to a good friendship and, you know, a good working relationship over the years too. And um, it's, it's something that was very interesting for me because we don't have, you know, too many organizations that would be as focused on conservation and the likes from there. Uh, certainly coming from the Scotland and UK, it's it's very different in regards to the way hunting's perceived, you know, guns and that kind of thing. So it was really nice just to be able to kind of build up on that. And, uh, you know, it's hard to believe that that's kind of where, where I am now. There's a lot of, you know, uh, great things that we've, you know, been been through over the years and, you know, all because of Ben. So absolutely, it's been a, a great ride so far. Right, right. And uh, folks in the audience need to know that uh, you know, you can go to events uh, in Minnesota. You know, you and Ben have put packages together for people to come over and join you in Scotland. Uh, not only just, you know, for, for waterfowl, but uh, for, for big game as well. Yeah, that's been a new one for us for this year, which has been really interesting to see just how well received it's been. Um, I couldn't believe when, you know, Ben came up with the idea 
it's it was I thought great. You know, it's something different from the waterfall we'd done that over the years. It'd been you know very successful, which made complete sense. But he made the suggestion of let's try something different, and obviously uh, something we have back in Scotland is a, a very big population of deer, um, roebuck. Red stag, um, you know, fallow deer, seeker deer, but obviously something we specialize in big time is uh, is robot hunting, you know, in Aberdeenshire. Famed for that throughout the world for having some phenomenal bucks. So it was very cool to be able to speak with him and put together a package that would be able to encompass, you know, all the kind of things we'd been doing with the waterfall hunters, making sure that you can still experience castle tours, whiskey tours, all the other fun things that make Scotland, Scotland. Um, you know, it's obviously famed for its golf, um, you know, plenty of other things, uh, like I've just mentioned there, but the, the hunting side's often overlooked. Um, so it was, it's obviously more of a spring summer activity. So it's nice to be able to put something together that it's going to offer, um, you know, so many people, the different chances to come with, you know, their hunting partners, families, you know, everything, I think, um, it's. I just couldn't believe how well it's it's gone down. You know, Ben and I talked about it last year. Uh, I think just before my waterfall season began, and um, he and I said, "Yeah, here, let's let's run with this, and you do what you can." And I I couldn't believe the interest was just incredible. Yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, Ben was telling me some of the numbers that they've that they've raised for the ducks. You know, through those through those hunts. And uh, man, we just we can't thank you enough for that, you know. Uh, you know, Christian. I mean, it's for guys like you and and Chase as well. He just he really helped make all this this run. Uh, Chase, I'm gonna talk to you for a second. Uh, give us a little bit about you know who you are, your background. How do you get started in outfitting, and, and especially why the snow? Because most people shy away from them, man. It's tough. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, John. Um, this is my sixth year uh, operating Nomad Outfitters. Um, used to work for a couple other Snow Goose Outfitters in my younger years. Just kind of finally realized that I want to take the jump, uh, go go get into it on my own. Um, had a better idea of how I want to run the hunts, treat my clients, treat my help, and stuff like that. And it's been six years since I started, and I've known Christian for five of those years. And every year that I've been doing it and then that he's been helping me, I definitely feel like we've just kind of gotten bigger and better. Um, and every season's been better. And I mean, the snow goose chase, especially what we do in Arkansas, moving fields every day, moving the spreads every morning, it is so much work. Most people don't understand, um, but once you experience it and are able to get you know, that big spin, like we call it, uh, once you experience that one time, you'll be hooked for life. And that's kind of where Christian and I are at right now with that yeah, game. The way y'all do it, like it, I think you've described it as high risk, high reward. Yes, absolutely. Okay? Because uh, chasing the feeds is a recipe for killing nothing or killing a bunch sometimes, you know, it, you, because they're so unpredictable. Well, that's what people don't understand about white geese. Is that they? I don't understand what they're thinking sometimes. Just because you saw them somewhere does not mean they're coming back there. And and they could be, and they'll hop all over the place. And it, it, a plane could get them up. Anything yes. else. And so yep. you're, so you're you're taking a chance. But and down here in a wintering area, I very much understand it. Now the guys up farther through the flyway, I could see the permanent spread. South Dakota, yep. Missouri, yep. exactly uh, places like that where where they hunt them. Uh, when they're when they're strictly migrating, and so it's a different type of stuff. They've been to, they've been here the whole winter, uh, 
Yep. Staging uh, birds. State, yeah, down here. So they got you got birds coming up from the south. You got adults leaving. You got more birds coming in. So it, it's definitely a monster challenge. So I, I commend you for, for, for focusing you. on Thank light you. geese, man, Thank because you. Not, it, it, you have to be brave to do it. Yeah. Because it's, yep. it it's, and it's not going to be easy. It's going to be very difficult. Exactly. Um, exactly. In, in the course of guiding, too, which you know, I, was, I did it in Texas for many years when it was there, uh, the cast of characters that you meet along the way, both in the clients and other guides, it, it's pretty amazing. Uh, you know, on the DU Nation episode, we were with uh, a group of, uh, of guys and a gal. Yep. From yep. South Florida, that place where they don't get a whole lot of opportunities to hunt waterfowl, especially not white geese. There's none down there, right? And, and those guys were just so uh, generous, you know. I well, mean, they, very, they cooked yep, for us. So. I mean, they did everything, and they just it just the people you meet at camp sometimes are are really good, you know. And, and they went they went full brave heart for you, <laughs> Christian. You know, with the face paint and all that. Yeah, <laughs> you know. If you once again, uh, this is going to be on, on DU Nation, but. And and I and I really like the the young cast of guides you put together, Chase. Those kids are hard workers. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And, absolutely. Uh, you know, <laughs> I said I got a chance to hunt um, next to Colby, and Colby uh, gotten the nickname Skeeter. And yep. I, how did that come about? <laughs> um, it's a long story. There's a there's a wildlife refuge area in Texas called Skeeter Pond. Some of you out there listening might be familiar with it. He's just kind of well-known for taking some pictures of himself with ducks in front of the Skeeter Pond sign. <laughs> um, and that's how he caught on to that that uh, that nickname, Skeeter, that but everyone loves so much. Y- you've got another really good young guy named Hunter from, from Minnesota. Yep. And yep. <laughs> the Southern guys are always relentless on the Yankee, right? And oh, yeah. Was, yeah, they are. He was really giving it to Hunter uh, before the hunt started the other day. And, man, I, I just couldn't do it but laugh. And it brought back so many memories of, of me with other guys and over the years. And the fact that you, you just, you, you really kind of, you bond with each other like other guys don't because in the pursuit of yep. white geese. Yep. And it takes a certain character to really want to do it. And, and I saw it right there. As a, well, those are the same guys that I've always <laughs> been with for the whole my whole career, chasing those jokers around. Uh, Christian, okay, born in Bolivia, yes. correct? Okay, so give us a little feel of how, how in the world you ended up in Scotland. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's quite an interesting mix. Um, very lucky, obviously, from a very young age. Uh, I was actually ad- adopted. Uh, my parents came from Northern Ireland and they moved over to Aberdeen, where we live in Scotland um, for the oil industry. So many years ago, it is now. And uh, luckily, I was obviously raised in the countryside. My, my dad was very big into uh, field trial uh, with Springer Spaniels. So that's kind of where it all began, where I would say from a very young age, almost strapped to the back of my dad, was out there in the field helping him train dogs. And it was kind of, it was just part of my life. And obviously where we live there, it's obviously a very big culture of um, driven hunting and, and walked up, which would be upland over here. And where we actually live in Aberdeenshire, it's um, a, a very big place for, for waterfowl too. And I think something from that side of things kind of really just got me into uh, really wanted to obviously pursue goose and duck hunting from there, but just super grateful the fact that to think where I could be obviously now um, and I've lived such a great life and had the privilege to be able to be brought up in Scotland to actually you know pursue this, um, especially to then obviously for me it was it was very much a, a big passion a hobby. 
um, hunting and then to be able to turn that into a career. And, you know, here I am finding myself over here in the headquarters of uh, Ducks Unlimited. It's kind of hard to believe. Very cool experience and, and something I have to say, you, you just can't take these things for granted. I had to remind myself of that. been very lucky to have been raised by, you know, great, great parents, obviously back home in Scotland. And um, again, I have to give them the credit for, for everything, for, you know, raising me this way and um, encouraging me to work hard. And, you know, I, I absolutely kind of follow your dreams as, as, uh, as kind of sad as that might sound. It's an important one to keep keep going from there. And that's why I'm here. Um, as, as a guide, I want to continue to better myself. And uh, by coming over here to obviously guide snow geese, uh, for for a chase at Nomad, it gives me the chance to essentially progress my own skills to be able to then take things that I do here in Arkansas back to Scotland. There's a lot of things that you can say are very similar in the way you set things up and how birds behave. Um, and I think for me, it's making me a more well-rounded hunter, um, you know, as the years go on. It's got to, because I just dealing with, oh, well, you, and you, you hunt pink-footed geese, right, yep, for the yep, most that's part? that's correct. And uh, from what I've been able to gather from, I have no experience firsthand, but they, they seem pretty similar to the white goose and how they, and their behaviors. And, you know, a little, yeah, let's just face it, they're quirky, <laughs> you know? Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot of similarities. I think that's why it brings me, you know, back year after year that um, you can have the most amazing days. They give you big spins. They put on a real show. And the next day, they leave you scratching your head. You've done everything you possibly can to read them. Obviously, whether you're scouting every hour of the day, whether you've been there setting up since 2 o'clock in the morning, a massive big spread. Um, a lot of the time, you just have to do the best you can, control the variables you, you can with regards to your all the scouting, the win, your setup, which this is why for me, it's there's, it's just so comparable to the snow geese. And then when you do have your good day, immediately all those other times that were you were, you know, kind of beating your head against the wall, you, f you forget about them pretty quickly. <laughs> That's right, man. There's nothing that brings you back. It's, uh, it, uh, it's almost a parallel with golf. You can hit a hundred crap shots. Right. You right. hit one pure <laughs> shot. Oh, man. It just uh, it keeps you coming back to that to that game. Once again, make it beat your head against the wall. <laughs> uh, interesting you're talking about dogs because a lot of people start out that way. Dogs bring people into the hunting sports yep. in a lot That's of different right. ways. And it's interesting, you know, Chase and I've got a mutual friend in Mark Atwater. I've yes. had Mark Atwater yes. on the DU podcast. I've had him on DU Nation. I've had him on DU Films. So I've, I've, I've really, because of our mutual love of golden retrievers, and y'all met Buster, yep. my dog. We love Buster. <laughs> we love Buster. Buster is awesome, man. Bring him in here. He, he, yeah, well, yeah, he we can sit. I mean, Buster just would hang out with us. Um, so that, that's an interesting part that, that it was that, that it was dogs that really got you going, and uh, and, and your dad trialing sprinters uh, over there in Scotland. It, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool part of it. All right, folks, we're going to take a little break, and uh, we'll be right back with more on the DU podcast. Your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.
Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast. My guest today, Chase Gardner of Nomad Outfitters and Christian Lilly with a K, Christian with a K, Aberdeen Wild Wing in Aberdeen, Scotland. And once again, thanks, guys, for being here on the DU Podcast. I want to switch gears a little bit. We've been talking about snow geese, but we haven't really talked about snow geese in depth and about what it takes to be successful on white geese. And I think determination might be the, the biggest factor it takes to be successful on yes, snow geese. absolutely. Never giving up on them because, boy, if you're easily discouraged as a hunter, don't be a white goose hunter because they're, they're going to make you so frustrated that you'll quit. That's the biggest thing that I found out about them as, a, as guiding them was that, man, you got to have some thick skin. And you and you, yes. and you yes. have to take those good days with the bad. Yeah, it's not going to yeah. be. It's not for somebody who, who like I said, is easily, easily dissuaded. So I'm going to ask you this first, Christian, as, as somebody who hunts, you know, a different species of goose over there in Scotland. What is it that you think makes a successful snow goose hunter? Gosh, I think there's so many different things that kind of come into my head, but I think going back to the determination, you have to be willing to go out there to give it your best and be able to accept anything that's going to be thrown at you. That It's going to change. You can go out and you can have the best, you know, best feed with the birds that you think are the right ones. You have a good hide. You have everything you could possibly need from motion to the right full bodies. And for whatever reason in that day, those birds may just do everything, the complete opposite of what you want them to do. You have to be ready for the next day to have a clear head to go back at them and not let them beat you down. And I think it's like Chase did say earlier with regards to what keeps you coming back when you get that one spin and everything falls into place. It and, just and, makes. And we had great. a couple of good ones on DU Nation. Yes, and and, yes. and it's just nothing like it. There's nothing like it. It makes all those bad memories go away in that one in that one moment, and you realize, oh well, this is why I'm out here, and this is why I do it. Uh, would you agree with that, Chase? You got a different take on it. I would say exactly what Christian said. Um, you have to have a short memory. You have to have thick skin, and then every day you go out there, you have to have confidence in yourself, your your guides, your setup. Uh, you know, knowing that you are putting in a hundred percent effort and to try to trick these geese that are getting smarter and smarter every year, and you might do everything in your power, and it might not happen that morning. It might not happen the next day, but then the day it does happen. You just forget about the rough days, you know, and I don't care who you are, how good of a snow goose hunter you say you are, everybody has bad days. Oh, that's the truth. If, if Absolutely. You, if you're telling everybody that you're, you know, you're making the piles every day, <laughs> yeah, uh, you're not being truthful about it yeah. because it's right. not the way it happens. Right. And I think that's a big thing you face with snow goose hunting, especially now in the era of the conservation season now for yep. like the 21st year yep. is unrealistic expectations from people. Okay. Yes. They're, they, yes. they, they're expecting to have these massive slaughters all the time. And it, and it, cause all they've ever seen on video is people's best hunts. Right. And right. this started way back when I can remember as a kid in the Texas coast, which we had all the white geese at that point, but the population hadn't really boomed the way it has in the past couple of decades. So the limit was five. Yep. Okay. When I was growing up, it was, it was five. You could kill five white geese, uh, one Canada, one spec. So seven geese, you know, per man. I mean, that's still a great hunt. Any way you slice it. I mean, that's a great hunt at all. But that kept people's expectations to be like, you know, I mean, and then the limit became seven and then it became 10 and then it became 20. And all of a sudden the door, the number 20 got in people's heads and I saw it 
you know, guiding people. And this is back in the days before the conservation. There's no electronic callers. We were, you know, using mouth calls and, boy, really grinding out there. They're thinking, oh, this limit's 20, man. It's just going to be easy. And I'd have to tell people right off the bat, look, we haven't had a limit shoot the entire season, okay? <laughs> it's still think hunting. About it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. think about it. You got five guys out there. It's a hundred bird limit. Yeah. with 20 and it's yeah. like man um i'd almost wish they'd done no limit at that point it's right. been like no right. limit. then nobody has any number in their <laughs> yeah. head because yeah. it, it got guys thinking you know i think one of the best ones i can remember in texas that we had was like 170 birds shoot but there was a lot of guns involved there's like 100 like 12 guns okay. so that was still way way short yeah. of the full limit right and people just just couldn't understand you know how this wasn't easy you know <laughs> yes. and yes. man it, it, uh, they figured it out pretty quickly that oh this is not going to be uh, what we thought it was and uh, but, but a lot of guys still kept coming back because, like you're right, you know, you'll you'll within a three four day trip, you're gonna have that one day, right? Where it's right. where they're gonna do it, and it's uh, it just it's it's thrilling to say the least. As far as advice goes for snow goose hunters, what's the one thing other than just being determined and and everything that you think is the most important part of, of having success with them? Does it involve setting up? Does it does it involve hiding? Scouting. What do you think? Scouting, number one, I think that may be the one. I yeah. mean, for what we do, I yeah. would say. I would say if it wouldn't be scout first because you need to be, ideally what you're hoping to do is to put yourself on the X, on a feed where the birds are, hopefully you could be working with the right birds, even if you're not, you know, birds are birds, adults, juvies. If you are not out there burning up, you know, the diesel to find them, you know, you're losing half the battle to begin with. I think the next thing which kind of close in with that is to take the time in your hide. I think more than anything else, a lot of people overlook decoys. Obviously, the setup is super important too. But in terms of hide, I think it's probably one of the most crucial things I would always say that people will fall short of. If you're having to brush blinds when you think you've got enough cover, you know, get more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Double <laughs> yeah, that yes. yeah, never enough. It's never enough. You're right. Snows just become so wary over the years because I think it's a lot of it's because of age. The average adult yes. is what eight, twelve years old. Yep, yep. I mean, they have seen it all. They've yep. been shot up and down the flyways for years, and so they're very, uh, you know, they're not coming to just anything. You know, you know, juvenile birds, Ross geese, another another thing. They just haven't seen it. You know, where <laughs> right. and Rosses right. may have, but I don't know, poor little Ross goose. I mean, I feel sorry for them sometimes. Yeah. They just, yeah, they can't help themselves. But yeah, they they make a lot of slow hunts pretty good. Yeah. you know, when it comes down. Yeah, to it absolutely so well that's yeah that's what i thought i mean if you, and i think uh, people another thing people don't really realize is how close attention you have to pay to the weather and what weather you're going to have on any given day because yes. it's so yes. critical wind direction sun no sun wind speed uh, all of it plays a factor in, in yep. your, what you're going to do yep lots how of variables you're set there it. yeah absolutely is it any different in, in scotland as far as it goes or the same same situation it's the same world over i think those are some of the most crucial things that i would say that you want to control every possible uh, element that you can and then you're obviously going to have something like you said with the wind is is you know the wind the moon these are all elements that you you know you can't control you're kind of in god's hands you know as it were and and um, it absolutely does play a big part in how the hunt is going to potentially, uh, you know, maybe turn out. But again, you're still doing the best with your ability from past hunts, experience that you have hunting in similar situations to go, okay, this is what we're going to do on this particular day. We were meant to have wind. We now have like two mile an hour wind. So you might as well have no wind. This is what we're going to do. I think you've got plan A. You have to have a plan B and be ready to roll that out as soon as you can. Another thing that I don't think people take into consideration, they'll 
I've seen this all my entire life, you know, from hunting with all kind of different people from all over the place. They'll take a lot of time in having the, the, the best and newest jackets and pants and clothes and guns. They don't spend any time learning how to shoot those guns. Okay. <laughs> That's a big problem, John. <laughs> They don't spend any time learning how to hit anything flying on the wing. Yes. And I think yes. that's the most overlooked thing, and I keep telling people. But learn how to shoot. If you think you're going to be on the ground, <laughs> yeah, go to a skeet field yeah. and sit on the ground. Yeah, practice. You know, practice, yeah. sitting up, shooting. Yes. It would make such a huge difference in people's experience, and that's the most overlooked thing I think that they do is they don't know how to shoot. And, and yeah, you know. Going yeah. to play this for the future clients. <laughs> yeah, that's yes. right. Yeah. Yes. You know, and, 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 and their equipment doesn't work. Their guns don't work. They're not yeah. clean. I mean, they yeah. don't even function. Yep. Yeah. So. Gosh. If you're going to come on a trip, take the time to travel, you know, pay money to come hunt with a guide, clean your gun before you come, uh, go to the, go to the clay range, the skeet range. You know, I've just seen it way too much where you get one big spin, maybe one or two or three or four. And there's always a couple guys that their guns aren't working. Um, and we genuinely feel bad for them. And it's just such a, but, but then again, it's yeah. not your fault. It's, you know, no. um, <laughs> It's disappointing for them, and it's a little frustrating for us at the same time. Yeah, and along those uh, same lines, it, you get know, off in the whole rabbit hole of shotgunning, you know, and, and shooting things flying. But, um, you know, know your gun. Yeah, a lot of people are showing up with brand new equipment. Yes, they've never fired. Very, very good yep. point. You yep. know, Different shells. They don't shells. know anything yes. about it. They've got a yes. deal of shells on something. A new choke tube, a combination of everything all together, and they just expect it to just be put it together, make it work, and it doesn't. I think people are too tightly choked these yes. days in a big yeah. way, big yeah. time. I agree. You know, I agree. Like, For it, most that aren't used to shooting that way, I mean, we've seen examples. Even in the past week, we've been here. We've had some amazing spins, and it's almost hard to believe when you don't see some of the rain outs. But even then, sometimes it outweighs it in a way that the experience alone, you know, it's still fantastic for everyone to see. And a big part of it. I think, too, with that is with guys using extensions, especially, they're just shooting at air. They're not picking out birds either. That's a huge part of it, it with a, especially with a big number of birds. Yeah, yeah, You know, focus absolutely. on one until it's down and then another. Yes. And then you yeah. just, it's hard to do when there's 200 right. in your face. Right. <laughs> and they just start rattling away like machine gunning, you know, and it, it, it doesn't work well. Either. Pe people but, get excited, which is yeah. good. It's which a good is, thing. It is. Though. It is. It is good. But uh, to a point, you <laughs> know, like I said, <laughs> yep. you, the yep. success rate would be a lot higher yeah, if they absolutely. would just follow that, those, those things. Christy, we talked about this at length and we talked about it today as well, that, North America is kind of unique in the fact that it's a very conservation-minded group of individuals, both hunters and non-hunters, people who are really concerned about the resource. In Europe, Great Britain, it doesn't seem to be the case. Am I correct? Yeah, I would say it's very different just the way that obviously in the States, I think there's a lot closer connection with, certainly with hunting and the conservation sort of things that it's there's many people over here that that, that do it uh, it doesn't matter whether they're from the city or whether they're from the country um, as we're back home certainly in the UK as a whole uh, those that hunt or participate in anything that would be kind of field sports related they are very much or we are very much the minority um, there are a few organizations obviously back in the UK which would be doing their best to ensure that both hunting shooting you know all the outdoor pursuits that we have that they're trying to protect everything as a whole, which is obviously very tough, especially the way things are across the world with regards to gun control. It's very easy for them to put a lot of that onto just, you know, the guns and the gun ownership, as opposed to obviously those that are using guns for legally hunting and, and so on from there. And they, 
I would say they bypass the very much the traditional side of you know the sporting um, you know lifestyle that there is within Scotland, you know the whole of the UK, and I think with that there's. There are certainly organizations that do try and focus on the conservation side of things, but I think there could be a lot more that is done. And even then, it would be better if there were, you know, organizations kind of such as this, obviously with Ducks Unlimited, been able to focus on, you know, the conservation more, um, but in a way that it can be relatable to the general public. And I think that's where if you're a hunter, you're a hunter as a hunter. It doesn't matter from one side of the world to the next. Everyone, we understand our own fight that we have. But when you're trying to try and recruit, you know, new people that want to get into this or indeed, um, you know, bring on the younger generation, because it's like, for me, those are fond memories that like I've just talked about being out in the field with my father, you know, while he's you know training all the Spaniels. These are things that there's probably many kids out there for certainly back in the UK that they they it's not as, as socially acceptable for them to be doing some of the same things that I did as a kid. And, you know, I'm, I'm a father myself and, you know, I have a 10 year old daughter who I absolutely love that she's kind of following in my footsteps to an extent that she wants to be out and enjoying the outdoors. And this is where for me, I want to instill in her for you know for years to come that you know we're the custodians of the countryside as this is a way we see it back in you know the uk and that there are many other organizations that they they understand where we need to be it's i think how we reach that end goal and i think for our side of things we could be doing with having more organizations to come together if there was one bigger one that would allow us to be able to see that we are doing a lot more you know for the wildlife and i think that's one of the most interesting parts that when i first met ben that you you know you you can learn so much from reading books or in magazines or seeing it on facebook or youtube whatever it is but when you're actually you know speaking to somebody and you can tell the passion i mean the things that ben was telling me over the years and so on it it made me feel that you know if i can give something back especially you know through, through du I've been, it's been a pleasure for me to do so because I can see how much that's really going back into, you know, helping people. And it's, I would love to be able to do things like that. And I have done things similar back home in the UK, but it's only my own personal opinion that I don't believe that it's, it's, it's been delivered in such an extent as it has been over here. Um, so this is why I've continued to, you know, want to support through obviously doing auctions with Ben. And I think it's certainly, it's helped broaden my, you know, horizon of just where we need to be back in the UK. But I think we're, we are still a while away of, you know, even a tiny bit where, you know, likes of DEU is just now. And, you know, I'd love, I'd love to see that change. Um, I, I really would. And, you know, hope that certainly in the years coming that certainly some of the organizations might be able to get together and, you know, you know, use DU as a better example of where we need to be. Uh, agreed, agreed. I think we're, you know, we're fortunate here in, in the U.S. And I know, Chase, you would agree that we've got a bunch of organizations around the country. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no question. You know, devoted to conservation that they don't have. And, and, and as being a part of Ducks Unlimited, I can really appreciate guys like Ben Vaughn. Right, the guys who are on the ground with the volunteers, working with the college kids, the the varsity students in high school, and everything, really bringing them into the next generation of it, uh, and then making relationships with guys from not only in North America at this point around the world to really furthering the DU mission. And so the the unsung hero, the regional director for Ducks Unlimited, for folks who don't know, that's the guy behind the scenes at every banquet, and he's he's there. You may not know who he is, but he's there, you know, working uh, hard to to, to raise more money for wetlands conservation. Uh, 
this man, this has been great. I, I want to. I, I like to close out a lot of podcasts with talking about uh, favorite hunts, uh, or just ones that you know end up be a favorite, or just it's very memorable hunts. And then, you know, we've been talking snow geese, and and y'all are both you know big time snow goose hunters. So think back in your mind. Uh, just give me a, a, a snow goose hunt that you can, you know, look back on it and say, man, I'll never forget about that. So I'm going to start with you, Christian. <laughs> Gosh, there's probably so many of them um, to look back on for all the good reasons and the, the bad reasons. Um, but certainly for me, I mean, I've had some very memorable hunts with, with Chase over the years. I think especially because it's allowed me to be so involved with uh, you know, the whole the whole setup of you know everything from the spreads, even you know, the way that we run the clients, all these kind of things. There's I've taken a lot with that being able to put my own touches onto you know the way the hunts are delivered, and I feel that's there's certainly been um, one particular one where we've we've had with some of the Wisconsin guys, and um, yes, I yes. think when you have such a great team of, of of guys that everyone's there to have fun, I think sometimes it's very easy to get caught up on the numbers game and uh, you know all that kind of side of things. But when you when you're out there to have fun, you and everything else comes together, um, it everything else is just a bonus. Um, and I think the fact that you can share the feel with with people and you know have such a great time and um, you know still have a successful hunt, then you know across the board, it's it's been an absolute win. Yeah, no matter how many you know birds you shoot, I think right with snow goose hunting, a lot of it, like I said, once again, it's the people you're hunting with that make a huge difference. Yes. I've been with a lot of folks who were just like you said, just focused on how many can we take down, and not really taking in the whole experience. Yeah, exactly. And it's a big part of it. Uh, Chase, you got a hunt that just comes to your mind? The one that really sticks out is probably about six years ago in Arkansas. Um, it was during the conservation season. We had a group of six clients, uh, some older gentlemen, uh, super nice guys. Uh, they did not have extension tubes. Um, and we were able to shoot, I think 276 and about, they were still coming in and we had shot that mini. Um, and they just looked at me and said, I think we're good. I think that's enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in my mind, I was like, let's keep going. But then I realized that, hey, it, it's your hunt. This is what you're here for. Um, it was just really amazing that we did that well and that we got to that point. Could have kept shooting, um, but we didn't because I did my job and they were basically tired. Their shoulders were worn out. <laughs> That's right. And Well, I, Christian, you probably experienced that too in, in a place that has no limit. In Scotland, you know, I mean, guys that are like, wow, I mean, we've had enough of it. We do. And I think that it's a sort of, this is always a big one that gets you know posed to me. We have no limits. So everyone comes with their expectations. It's kind of like conservation season here that, you know, you, you have to shoot as many as you can. I mean, I like to self-impose a limit. Um, but at the same time, we will get a lot of hunters that come from the States where limits, it's just in them. Um, same with a lot of French clients too, and that where the perception would be, it's funny from kind of British people looking, looking out, looking in, if you like, from there, that they would think that these guys want to shoot, you know, piles all day. The amount of people that I've had come from the States and France that are, they, I would say for my self-imposed limit, they've, they've shot less than that. But what I pride myself on more than anything else is I would rather shoot 20 decoy birds than seven or 80 birds that are, you know, 40, 50 meters out. And I think, yeah, exactly. You know, it hits home for a lot of people that there are so many people out there that they, they're, we share the same ideology. 
Uh, and again, it comes back. I mean, don't get me wrong. You can, you know, you can want to pile them up as much as anybody else. But if you are, if I'm doing my job and I'm putting the birds in their face, you know, on their lap, and, you know, these guys are struggling to shoot them at, you know, 10 yards or they're having a look at birds. We know when I call the shot, they get up and they go, it's too close. What one do I shoot? Um, you know, and for me, that's it's awesome to see that you've been able to exceed someone's expectations and that they've been able to, you know, have the respect for themselves to go, hey, I'm, I'm done. You know, we're, we've got three more days left. If I shoot another 60 birds, you know, and we're done within half an hour, we've had a great time. So. Yeah, there, in, in the DU history, there was a lot of guys like Nash Buckingham. We were up front, you know, bow two and yeah. one are oh, up yeah. there. Oh, yeah. And uh, we, he, he was one of those guys that, you know, the, even the limits were big. The, the, you know, he self-imposed on himself that he wasn't going to shoot, you know, the limits anymore. He was he was going to 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 go below that. And I get it. I'm, after, you know, you can only do so much with it. And then it becomes, you know, a little excessive. So, you know, I, 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 I've been fortunate, just like the two of you have, to have harvested a lot of, of birds in my life. So at this point, it's really all about the experiences, man. And I had Absolutely. a great time with DU Nation with, with, with y'all. It, uh, like I said, from, from, from the Florida crew to, the, you know, the young guys out there, you know, man, busting their, uh, their butts trying to make it happen. Uh, it was a great experience. Once again, everybody can check out DU Nation on YouTube. We've got uh, a lot of content up now at this point, but this uh, this will be our first snow goose uh, hunting episode. And and uh, I, once again, I got to shout out to Ben Vaughn. You yeah, know, thank for, you for bringing this time. together. Thank you, you Ben. Know? Yeah, we owe a lot to you. Absolutely. I'm sorry you couldn't be here to join us today, Ben. But you know, absolutely, I've appreciated working with him for the last few years, and I we owe a lot to him. And I think it's it's been working well for everybody. It's nice to see that something you know like Scotland can really help uh you know bring something so great to you guys over here in the states oh man we very much appreciate it very much appreciate y'all being on the du podcast thank you john thanks for having us and thanks to everybody out there for listening and for supporting wetlands and waterfowl conservation thank you for listening to this episode of the du podcast be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And visit www.ducks.org slash podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. Stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.